And from the moment I arrived till, to when we left, I was absolutely blown away by the, the, the quality of the staff. I got to the front door and someone there said, Good morning, can I carry your bags? And every morning when I came down the lift, someone was waiting there said, Good morning, Mr Martin, I'll just go and get your skis out of locker 55. You know, and I went to um, one of the senior staff and I said, What is it about you guys that I've never seen such dedication, such love of the guests in any hotel I've ever stayed in? I mean, you guys genuinely love us. You genuine, genuinely care about every aspect of our stay. What is it? And he said, well, it's the person who hires the staff in Vancouver. Um, she has five questions. And whenever she interviews somebody, if they, if they don't have the right answer for question one, the interview does not proceed. And question one is, how are you today? And if it's anything less than excellent, you know, <laughs> fantastic, you know, like any fitter, I'd be dangerous. Uh, well, then the interview was over. Like, in other words, if they said, oh, not too bad, well, they, uh, look, the interview's over, we can't go any further. In, in other words, they only hire people who are very happy with life, people that are over the top about um, the life they're living, they're excited about what they're doing and what they can do, and they're the only people she hires. But it's the same here. So, um, over the years, they're the only people I've ever hired are the people that I know that are very passionate about other people. Welcome to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants, practitioner-to-practitioner conversations to inspire, mentor and learn from. In 1990, Gary Martin founded Living Valley Springs Health Retreat in the Noosa hinterland after having a series of personal health issues. His return to health inspired him to set up the retreat to teach people what he had learnt along the way. He now has 56 staff and as one of Australia's first health retreats, Living Valley Springs, with a focus on detoxification, has a long legacy of helping thousands of Australians and international guests restore health. Gary places his foundations for success on one, passion, two, people with passion, and three, a rural location. This is Angela Carroll, and you are listening to Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. If you have ever been inspired with a vision to establish your own retreat and wondered what is involved or are even just curious on what goes on at the back end of the business of a retreat, listen in to today's conversation. So I'm at Living Valley Springs at the moment in the hinterland of Noosa, which is absolutely beautiful out at Kin Kin here in Queensland. And I'm speaking with Gary Martin, who was the visionary for creating this wonderful health retreat. And it's a health retreat that is a little bit different to most health retreats in Australia. Very often people are sent by practitioners, uh, sent by specialists to come to this retreat. So welcome, Gary, and thank you for creating this. It's a wonderful, wonderful institution here. Uh, Can you tell me when it started? Yeah, it it started in October 1990. Um, That that month is etched into your mind forever. Yeah, the 8th of October 1990. (laughs) That was the launch day? Yeah. Yeah. And how many guests are you getting on average coming in each week? Okay. Well, for 26 years, we ran a 10-day program. Okay. uh, For um, every two weeks, we ran a 10-day program. So a lot of the staff, all the therapists and the cooks and so on, would only work 10 days on and then four days off. Right. Um, Now, actually, that was 25 years. Three years ago... Um, we we just found that the economics of it uh, and the demands for longer programs 
It made us look at changing. And we found a lot of people really needed um, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, or, or even longer stays than that. So we changed to a seven-day cycle, okay. which meant that we, for the last three years, we've been open 24-7. We don't have any breaks. So it meant we had to put on more staff. Um, and a lot of people come in for seven days. A lot come in for 14 days. The, the seven-day program is more of a, a health holiday. Yep. Um, the 14 days are a lot more serious, but then we have an absolute program, which is 21 days, <clears throat> and a lot of people do that. We're finding quite a few people lately are staying for 28 days. Wow, yeah, really? Yeah. Isn't that fabulous? So the difference, I mean, there was a guy here uh, two weeks ago, well, a week ago actually, who was due to go home a week ago after one week, and he'd made such progress that he decided to stay for a second week. I've just been talking to him now, and uh, he's a he's lost eight point six kilos. He's in two got, weeks. Yeah, in two weeks, he's got off his tobacco. Uh, he's just looking a million dollars. He's just a new man, and he he said to me that the second week was like ten times the value of the first week, and that's what it's like because the first week you're getting superficial detox, you're cleaning up superficially. The second week. The program goes much deeper into the system and the knowledge uh, starts to really accumulate in the mind and yeah. you, you leave educated and cleansed. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a fabulous feeling going from what you used to accept <coughs> to now this new enlightened mindset yeah. of how your body can actually be. Yeah. And that sort of brings me round into a circle of earlier we were talking about how you actually got to come up with the concept, the idea right. of having this <clears throat> retreat was that you'd gone through a whole health process yourself, felt pretty rotten, and then went through a healing process and then yeah. thought, well, how can I replicate this for others? Yeah. Which I think is, is a wonderful legacy <clears throat> to have have left to have made. Yeah. So thank you for that. How did it happen though? How did you actually find yourself here? 145 acres, is that what it is? Yeah. <clears throat> how did you actually find yourself it's here? It's quite a good story. Is it a good yeah. story? I love <clears throat> a good story. Tell me. Well, I left Sydney in 1986 and moved to... I bought a property in North New South Wales and moved my family up there. Um, My kids had to change from being city kids to country kids, which was great. Uh, And for the next three and a half years there, I studied natural medicine, um, learned to be a country person and put the whole concept together. So in 1990, I, I went looking around Australia for a property now, the criteria I was looking for was a, a, a property on 100 to 200 acres in a rural zoning, um, preferably in southeast Queensland because of the climate here. Uh, I found out that the law in most states says that um, in rural zoning you can only have one building per 100 acres or part thereof, or one dwelling. Uh, so uh, it was a bit of a, a big ask. <coughs> I found property in I found an old mill town in south part of Western Australia that I, I did look at as a possibility. I looked at property in Byron Bay. I looked. I went to one right up in the Atherton Tablelands. Uh, none of them really fitted the criteria. So, well, one night um, I called some friends around and we discussed it. And we we uh, we just said, well, let's ask the Almighty. Yep. So we we had a prayer together. Mm-hmm. We asked um, if we could be shown the property that fitted the criteria that we had written down. And as we finished that little prayer, the phone rang. 
Yeah, wow. Yes, and it was a friend of mine. I'd only met him once, actually, but he lived in Karoi in southeast Queensland. And he said, Gary, are you still looking for a property to start a health retreat? And I said, yes. And he said, I know of a property that's in a little town called Kinkin in the Noosa hinterland. It's about two hours from Brisbane. He said it's on 145 acres. He said it's got seven buildings on it. I said, wow, that's exactly what we're looking for. So I was up here. I was on the road at uh, 20 to 5 the next morning, and the rest is history. You know, so you said um, it was an old hippie commune, yes? Yeah, well, it had been a hippie commune from 1982 to 1988. Yep. Uh, and a fellow bought it in 1988 and didn't do anything with it, so we bought it off him. But one of the fellows that um, lived here from 1982 worked on the Noosa Council and was able to get an approval to do ah, okay. um, a, a lot of buildings on a rural property, yep. which is um, basically against um, ordinances, but it's there, it's approved, and um, we've got it. Yep. Yeah. So any any homeowner would know there's a lot of work <coughs> when you own one house, let alone all of oh, yeah. these homes here. You've also got uh, cleaning staff, cooking staff, uh, practitioner staff. Marketing staff. Marketing staff. How does all that work? How, who does the hiring and firing? How, how does that system happen? Um, we have had a, an HR person here, but at the moment our, um, our finance manager does that. Okay. Yeah, so he looks after all the human resources. But generally, if we're looking for a new staff member, we have two senior staff. We'll interview all the applicants yep. uh, and then make a decision. Okay. Yeah, but ma- many of our staff have been here for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, like as Toby has been here for twenty-four years. Yeah. We've got a lot of staff have been here close to twenty years. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of them have just cracked the tin. Yeah, and I've yeah. seen uh, also some of family as well. So yeah, you know, fathers and children. Well, when you're looking for new staff, the first place you look is in the families of the people you've already got. <laughs> Because you know they're already indoctrinated to the way. Yeah. So a lot of the younger staff we've got are actually the children of Mm. the the staff we've had here for years. Yeah. What about volunteers? Um, We don't actually have any volunteers at the moment, but in the early years, uh, well, we never really had volunteers as such, but we had um, staff who were so committed that they were they were happy. All of us we were accepting very low wages until we got this place off the ground. So um, Toby, for example, was earning $40 a week in the first couple of years and he was working about 60 hours a week. So yeah. people were volunteering their time. You know, I, I, had, I was mentioning before about a girl that worked here that would start work at 6 in the morning and at 8 o'clock at night I was begging her to go home. And she just said, I just love my work, I don't want to go home. <laughs> and uh, in those days nobody asked for overtime pay because it wasn't there. We had to build up the business. So um, it, it started, this retreat really started with a lot of self-sacrifice from a lot of people. Yeah. You know, and I know that um, in the early days we were so busy that I would be seeing people during the day. I actually did the massages. I drove the tractor. I slashed the lawns and I planted the trees. And a lot of the work I was doing at night, I, I, there were some nights I actually worked all day and all night and then went to work again the next morning. But I, I, I was so um, pumped up about what we were doing that I never even got tired. Yeah, so yeah. this is the passion that drove you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and that's, right. I think that's probably one consideration for any, any person that wants to build a retreat. 
yeah. is you've got to have you've that passion. You've got to have that passion, yeah. 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 We, we had a vision and um, people started coming. Um, it was amazing. The, the very first guest, we weren't really ready to take anyone in. Um, we, we'd only been here for about a couple of weeks and we were trying to organise buildings and rooms and so on. And I was driving back from the local town and there was a um, garage sale on the side of the road. I pulled up and there was a blind man. Mm. And um, he said, uh, could you just wait while I go in and get my son? And he came out with his 19-year-old son. And uh, the long and short of it was that we took this man in. Um, for three weeks, he was our first guest. He was about to move to Tasmania because of his blindness. He had worked in a business where he was spraying plaques with a plastic spray for years and that the chemicals had made him go blind mm. and in the, the last few months it just happened very rapidly so uh, we cleared a spot in one of our buildings and took him in and um, for three weeks we gave him a massive detoxing um, got him onto good nutrition cleansing eating good food we gave him steam saunas every day and we massaged him and we cleaned his bowels and we we did everything we knew but on top of that Back in 1988, I'd been in New Zealand and I met a, a lady who was astounding the, the, the eye specialists in Christchurch because she was actually healing blindness um, by taking people into a home, putting them on a detox for three weeks and packing their eyes with, uh, with a white clay that, that was, she was digging up in her backyard. And um, uh, she would put these poultices on the eyes, leave them there all night. She would put them on during the day for several hours on and off as well. And uh, I, I went and met her and uh, I was very fascinated. I actually met some of the people that she treated. And so when this man told me he was blind and could I help him, I said, well, maybe I can. <laughs> so I knew there was a lot of clay on this property. So I just copied what she'd done. And in three weeks he was seen. That is a yeah, fabulous yeah. story. Yeah, he was completely seeing fine. And so he moved down to Tasmania and uh, he started up from his own home. He started running 10-day detox programs based on what he'd learned when he was here. Uh, so he was our very first guest. Yeah. And it, it really motivated me because, um, man, if we can restore blindness, we can do anything. Yeah. And, and so then people just kept coming. I, 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 the word just got out and... Um, you know, we've been going for almost 28 years. We've never had a week where we didn't have people. Yeah. And you're getting mm. constantly. They're coming in on a Sunday and then out on the, on the following Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have they... I noticed I did see a bus outside. So do you pick them up from the airport? Yes, we have an airport pickup every Sunday. Mm. Um, he, he drives down to Brisbane Airport, picks them up, then he comes back via Sunshine Coast Airport and picks them up. So do you allocate, um, please come in on this flight... Um, time so that yes, you don't yeah, have to we, do multiple we do. runs. Yeah, actually, we, because we pick up at, um, we drop off uh, on Sunshine Coast first, then mm -hmm. we pick up at um, Brisbane Airport yep. at 11.30 on Sundays, yep. and then we pick up at 1 o'clock at Sunshine Coast Airport. Okay. Yeah, so we give that information to people before they book their, pl their flights. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't really yeah. thought about that, actually, the logistics of actually getting people here in an orderly manner yeah. so that they're not coming in in dribs and drabs. And there are cars parked, so people can obviously drive their car in as well. Oh, yes. That. there's. Um, I suppose most of the people do come from interstate. Uh, we, have, uh, we have quite a few people come from overseas as well. Mm. We get people from New Zealand. Um, we've, we've had a lot from South Africa. Yep. 
We've had about 16 people from Norway, yeah. mainly because I did lectures over there years ago. Okay. Um, we've had people from England and America. Uh, so it's, the, the world's a very small place now. It's just a matter of jumping on a plane. You, you mentioned the lectures, so tell me about that. What, what, what do you talk about? What's the purpose? How does that work? Right, well, the lectures are very important, and I suppose many of the people that come here, when they're leaving, tell us that the education was the most vital part of the program mm-hmm. for them. Um, we're looking at lifestyle issues. Um, there's eight basic laws of health, so we go through all of those, but we do focus a lot on nutrition. So we spend a lot of time on meal planning, how to plan their meals. Mm -hmm. We've got lectures on hormones. We have a lecture on dentistry. uh, And a lot of people think, oh, I don't need that. But when they hear it, they they find they do. Because we talk about the toxicity of mercury amalgam dental fillings, um, the potential harm of of root canals, dissimilar metals in the mouth and so on. But um, we, we have a very important lecture on the way we think and that has a profound effect on a lot of people because um, a lot of people have unresolved anger um, and that causes depression and we have a a lecture that deals with that in one hour and over the years we've had many people come back to us a year or two later and saying that one hour changed their life forever it was just it gave them the tools they needed to get over it and to move forward I i think australia is too um, quick to prescribe antidepressants when we really should be dealing with the issues that people have rather than just prescribing uh, drugs. Mm-hmm. Then the yeah. band-aid approach. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the lect- they're the in-house lectures that you do when people are staying here for the week. That's right. Do you do a <clears throat> lecture series outside of... Well, I do, here? yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I probably do anywhere between four and eight um, trips a year. Yeah. To, usually to the capital cities. Yeah, and uh, that is what is generating interest in business and people coming to the retreat? Some, some. Okay. But because we've been here so long, uh, between 40 and 50% of our intake every week, they've been before. Okay. Um, most of the other 50% have been referred by people who've been before. Right, okay. So, so we, we don't have to do that much marketing. Yeah. Um, we need to keep our database up to date on what we're doing mm-hmm. and remind them that we're here. But um, we're fairly well known now and yeah. we don't really have to do that much chasing. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's I think, is a, a luxury of times gone by uh, with that now that we have social media for any yeah. person <clears throat> starting, any practitioner that wants to start a retreat now really would have to launch with social media oh absolutely yeah yeah you'd have to uh, i mean social media is the go today but i mean when we started it was the yellow pages yeah and we we had a like a big half page ad in the yellow pages and that brought in about 90 percent of our business yeah yeah. but now um, we don't even use the yellow pages no it's it's all uh, it's all um social media it's all started in the yellow pages days as well Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Absolutely. The biggest question was, how big should my ad be and should I have a colour version or not? That's right. That's, <laughs> and they used to cost a lot of money. They were pretty expensive. A lot of money. To, we were spending 100000 a year on yeah. on, on a, uh, that one, one ad. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, speaking of the talking about money side of things, you also have noticed you've got a couple of other little income streams with the products. So you've got Living yeah. Valley Springs products. We do. Is that something <clears> that... Was that your initiative? <clears> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, initially we just started out with a few products um, that we found people were wanting. 
yeah. that weren't really available much out there. They, they are today. There's a lot of competition today, but things like green barley, bee pollen. Um, I came up with a formula for... Um, I originally called it breakfast boost, and it was uh, seven powdered herbs mixed together that you sprinkle on your breakfast, and it, it, it had you know profound benefits. Um, we, we've recently improved that formula and we've changed it to bodyguard yeah yeah but we have a shop here we sell a lot of metagenics products and other practitioner-based products Mm. um and um people keep reordering from us so that really helps Mm. the the cash flow as well yeah absolutely so um just clarifying that i that with the metagenics products he's selling they're under they're on prescription so they're not yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah um okay so there's there's kind of a lot going on with the with the with the retreat yeah how do you keep up with it all um well i've got a wonderful daughter giselle who's now the ceo she grew up in this uh she's now 37 years old and um is taking the reins so we're working together it's we've got such a good team mm. it's so well organized and we've got different departments and there's managers in charge of each department they meet regularly and and meet uh and discuss what they're going to um do to improve the, the running of the place yeah. the, the thing with the staff they've all got their heart in it okay. if they didn't they wouldn't be here yeah you know? yeah yeah. So if you if you're at the start outside and you go, okay, I've got this vision. I really want to have a retreat. Are there key considerations looking yeah. back now, looking <clears throat> retrospectively? Are there key considerations you hadn't thought about that were vital to the running of or the setup of the retreat? Is there any sort of thing that you yeah, came to surprise? <clears throat> it's a labour-intensive industry. Like Living Valley is fairly exclusive. Where we only would have twenty to 25 people here in a week and we have 56 staff so it is labor intensive to do it properly um, and if you don't do it properly if you don't have that type that number of staff then people won't come back um, it's that they get that high level of attention and care looking at every aspect of their life so yeah labor intensiveness is the big the big thing um, yeah there's, there's probably other considerations as well but um, you need to surround yourself with people that are successful in different modalities. Um, Toby joined us when he was 14 because his parents worked, his father was the chef. And I could see that this guy was a genius. Um, He'd already finished his schooling completely at the age of 14. He was so advanced that he'd taken on homeschooling to finish it. Um, So I sent him off to do courses in... um, medical terminology, um, I can't, various medical courses, I can't remember what they all were now, but by the time he was 16, I had him enrolling in courses in remedial massage, sports injury, he learned hydrotherapy, um, and then when he was about 20, he went off to Melbourne for four years and did his naturopathy full-time, mm-hmm. And but he's been here ever since. Um, he's, he's passionate, and so um, that's a real key to get someone like that, but... Um, there's so many aspects in health, so you, you need fitness. So we need a good fitness trainer. Yep. We've, we've got Mark. And you've got a gym on site. We've got a gym. Too. Mark's been here for nearly 17 years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you, you need things like Pilates. So we've got a Pilates instructor. You need a good kitchen with a, a cook who can really cook good uh, mm-hmm. food, particularly um, low-carbohydrate-type foods, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a team that works with him. 
uh, you, you need someone to look at marketing and keep their eye on what's going there. You need a business manager. So you need someone to be looking after all of the, the legal issues with business, which since we started 28 years ago, it's, it's gone exponential now. Yeah. Um, the requirements, uh, the legal requirements in relation to staffing, in relation to wages and various running policies for a company are, are ridiculous, really. Mm. So, you know, we've got a guy full, full-time employed that just looks after all of that. So you're saying it would not have been as easy. It's not as easy now as it would have been when you started that no, many years ago. No, it's not as easy today. Yeah. Uh, the laws have become very, very rigid. So, um, But, I mean, we've grown with that and we've put people in place so that it, it's all covered. But starting today, you need to look at all those issues. Yeah. You need office personnel. You need people in the office that are, are trained in how the program works so that everyone that phones up mm. gets all the right information. Yeah. So we've got people in the office. And I think you probably need a, a, a training person, ultimately, who's just training everybody yeah. you know, in, in their different skills. Yeah. You, you set yeah. up a wonderful retreat and the, the, the community, as, as people walk around, just, yeah, everyone's hello and how are you going? Mm. And it's not just hi, how are you, and keep walking. You're actually waiting for a response. Yeah. You yeah. actually want to know how <clears throat> that person's feeling, how they're tracking, how they're going day to day. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and what I was observing as I was watching the passion from yourself from the other staff that are here and working on it we're so working in the in your retreat that passion has to be fueled by something you know yeah. there's mm. you, there's there's only so much the passion that you can have if the bucket's not constantly being yeah, topped true, back up true. again so <clears throat> obviously the results that you're getting the 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 type of clientele that you have the guests here the people coming back the word of mouth fuels that that, that they they are the motivators. Yeah. What motivates the staff here is that every week they're seeing dramatic results from what they're doing. Yeah. And it's incredibly exciting. You think, well, all I did was my job and and, it, and look what it works. You know, look at this person's just uh, thrown away their crutches. You know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, something, um, a few years ago I was over in Canada and I stayed in Whistler at the... Um, and from the moment I arrived till to when we left, I was absolutely blown away by the, the the quality of the staff. I got to the front door and someone there said, good morning, can I carry your bags? And every morning when I came down the lift, someone was waiting there said, good morning, Mr. Martin, I'll just go and get your skis out of locker 55. You know, and I went to um, one of the senior staff and I said, what is it about you guys that I've never seen such dedication, such love of the guests in any hotel I've ever stayed in. I mean, you guys genuinely love us. You genuine, genuinely care about every aspect of our stay. What is it? And he, he said, well, it's the person who hires the staff in Vancouver. Um, she has five questions. And whenever she interviews somebody, if they, if they don't have the right answer for question one, the interview does not proceed. And question one is, how are you today? And if it's anything less than excellent, you know, <laughs> fantastic, you know, like any fitter, I'd be dangerous. Uh, well, then the interview was over. Like, in other words, if they said, oh, not too bad, well, they, uh, look, the interview's over, we can't go any further. In, in other words, they only hire people who are very happy with life, people that are over the top about um, the life they're living, they're excited about what they're doing and what they can do, and they're the only people she hires. Yeah. But it's the same here. So 
um, over the years, they're the only people I've ever hired are the people that I know that are very passionate about other people. Mm. Um, the people that work here, they get well paid, but money has never been an issue to any of them. Mm. Any of them at all, I could ask them, listen, I've got a really sick guest. Would you mind sleeping on the floor tonight um, in her room and, and just keeping an eye on her? Um, and I'll give you a couple of hours off tomorrow. No problem. They, they do it. Mm. You know, there's, um, there's this passion for people. No one's going to come to me and say, well, what are you going to pay me for that? Yeah. They, they don't do that. Yeah. And, and that's the key. And if you can find people like that, then you can build a business that's going to succeed. Mm. Yeah. That, that actually, that uh, bringing up the <clears throat> sick guest, has made me think to a little side side of things. Do you need, because you're here specifically as a detox retreat yeah. prim- prim- primarily, do you have to have some sort of relationship with a local hospital or a local doctor that in case something happens, in case something goes wrong? We, we do have a very good relationship with a number of doctors around here. Okay. Um, generally, uh, if there is a really serious issue, we would call an ambulance. Okay. Have uh, you ever had to do that? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not often, no. but I mean, probably from accidents more than anything. <laughs> because, you know, had one lady uh, went the wrong way, she didn't take the path, and um, slipped on the wet ground and broke, broke her legs, both oh. of them. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and had someone fall on one of the bush tracks and broke a leg. I mean, those things happen. We've been here for a long time. We've had 15,000 people come through here, so you're going to get some of those incidents. But um, Are there any problems with those people? You know, no. Legal charges or anything? You know, we do have public liability, but yep. none of them ever went for it because they were so happy with us that they didn't want to make a deal out of it. Yeah. And they knew it was their own fault anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's good to hear. Yeah. What about the? I said they were speaking earlier with John, Tobin, Toby. Yep. Um, and Jess, <coughs> and they're talking about the uh, programs that they run here for the uh, guests. Yeah. What about for staff? Do staff get to go on those as well? Is that like a thing where you make sure that the, the chefs and the cleaners and so forth do they go on the detox? Yeah. Well, um, every new staff member is allowed to do one program. Okay. Right, so they get educated. Um, they can then do as many more as they want over the years, uh, and they just pay a small amount just to cover the cost of it. Um, so, yeah, it's good to keep you know the staff educated on what we're doing from the guest perspective. Uh, not all of them have taken advantage of that, but mm. but most of them have. Most of the senior staff here have done it a number of yeah. times. Yeah. yeah, it's very much. I think it's important to walk the talk. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And they need to yeah. be feeling the benefits. Yeah. They do, yeah. yeah. yeah a bit of uh, compassion and empathy for when people are sort of feeling a bit miserable on oh, day two on their detox. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a nice program to do. Um, it's, that's also then brings me into wanting to talk about the benevolency of yeah. your retreat here. Um, I have a very light understanding that you worked with Hope for Health, which yeah. was a program that was set up in far north Queensland, Northern Territory? Northern Territory, um, Elko Island. Okay. Yeah. So can you tell me... It's in Arnhem Land. Okay, and can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, well, well, I'll give you a bit of a base of our benevolence to start with. Um, So when I worked in Sydney, up until 1984, I was working in a big finance corporation. When I left there, I started up my own business as a finance broker um, and a financial consultant. 
because of the training I'd had. And I did that for two and a half years, and it was very successful. Uh, and I made a lot of money, I, and, and that was really what enabled me to start up a retreat. Okay. When I left Sydney in 1986, we were able to live for three and a half years in the country uh, on a property that we owned outright without any income mm. uh, because I had enough from those two and a half years. Yeah. Um, so when we moved here to Kin Kin, um, I'd pretty well run out of money, but we had enough to buy the property. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the reason I'm telling you that is that I, I'd, ma- I'd, I'd been into making money. Uh, when I started this place, money was the last thing from my mind. I know we had to make money to pay wages and to develop the property, but um, my passion was more for people. So I registered, uh, I put an application into the government and got an approval to be a public benevolent institution. Uh, it, it gave us a number of advantages. It, it, it means that we're not for profit. Um, but it means that the staff can get a, a bigger portion of their pay tax-free um, and we can accept donations for projects and different things that are all tax-deductible donations. But um, as a public benevolent institution, uh, we are here to relieve sickness, suffering and distress and wherever we see that. Now, we do need to charge when people come here or we wouldn't be here. We need to support the wage and, and the whole infrastructure of the place. But... Um, we do help people that are genuinely ill and, and are destitute. Uh, so over the years, like each year, we, we have a budget where we do help those sort of people. Um, we do get involved with a lot of other uh, outreach. We support a, an orphanage in Kenya uh, where uh, a very good friend of mine, right back in the 1980s, he was actually going to be with me when we started this health retreat, but he ended up going to Africa. He started an orphanage. It's a very big orphanage in Kenya now, and we support that quite heavily. Um, And there's a number of other um, projects we support. Now, one of them is the Hope for Health. Now, a couple of years ago, we took 12 ladies from Arnhem Land, uh, and they were all smokers. Eight of them had diabetes. Um, They all drank a lot of Coke, and they were on on the shocking Western diet, the worst of the Western diet. And we re-educated them for two weeks and cleaned them out, and they responded health-wise better than any of the white people I've ever seen. Um, they, they just bounced back very quickly to the point that there, there, there were none of them using insulin when they left. In two weeks' In time? In two weeks' time. Fantastic. And uh, since then, um, Jessica uh, and one of our other staff have gone up there and they ran a, a follow-up program, and... Uh, those 12 ladies have all become educators up there now and they've even set up a, a diabetics um, a program. But, well, yeah, because, uh, did I say all of them were smokers, I think, well, most of them were smokers, but eight of them were diabetics. Yeah. yeah. And so they, um, they're teaching the rest of their community how to eat. We were trying to get them basically back to their ancestral diet, mm. to get back and, and eat the foods and live the way that their ancestors did rather than depending on the supermarket, which was full of refined foods and sugar and so on. So it's been very successful, and we will be doing a lot more of that. Um, It's it's been a tremendous, um, exciting program, and our staff loved it. Yeah, some of our practitioners actually would be aware of it because we, a couple of years ago at the International Congress on Natural Medicine, our Congress 
we had One Health organisation there raising money, so we were raising funds for One Health to be involved with the project that you're just talking about, right. the Hope for Health yeah. project. So One Health um, had a relationship supporting uh, what you were doing with that. Right, that's um, fantastic. We raised about, I think the practitioners donated about $10,000 on over the three days and then wow. Metagenics matched that. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was good. But so we, we did see a video, so we did see interviews with those women and showing how they were walking out into the shore, into the tidal areas and getting their, you know, uh, native food. Yeah, and yeah about their how they turtle and, <clears throat> and their shellfish and all those sort of things, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, good on you for yeah, doing that. That's, yeah, um, yeah. so we, we've got a lot more projects um, lined up, but yeah, we, we're really here to get people well and to change their lives. Mm. You, you can't do it without funding, and the only funding we really get is from the, the payments people make when they come here. Yeah. Uh, we get a lot of wealthy people come here, and we also get a lot of poor people. And so we, we really need to, um, you know, assess people where they're at, how genuine they are. We found, we find, we've actually done a number of people here. We've helped people for nothing, but we often find that they don't stick to it. Yes. So, so we encourage yeah. people to actually put an effort in to raise what they can uh, when we do a benevolent uh, program. Yeah. But... Uh, if we if we did everything that way, we wouldn't be here. So yeah. <laughs> no, no, you still have to still have to feed people and pay people. Have you ever done you know, market research? Is sort of an area that I'm wanting to look at. Have you ever actually gone out and stayed in other other health retreats around Australia? Have you yeah. checked out what else <clears throat> is going yeah. on out <clears throat> there, or do you do you get? I'm just looking at not only market research, but where do you get inspiration for what you do and how it's run? Okay, well, probably my very early inspiration came when I was about 26. My father-in-law came to me and he said to me, he said, you're drinking too much, you're eating too much junk food, you're going to end up like me. Now, at 44, he was a heavy smoker, heavy drinker, and he had a heart attack. Um, it, it shocked him so much that he totally reformed and he um, got out of his furniture business and he bought a health food store and he... He became a very healthy man. In fact, he only died a few years ago at 86. And uh, anyway, when I was 26, he really gave me a lecture. And he said, I'm taking you to a health farm. So he took me away for a week to the Hopewood Health Centre in Wallachia. And uh, that, that probably inspired me a lot. Although they fasted me on water for, for four days. And when That's I got the way home, it was done in the old time days, yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> I got home, I'd lost so much weight. My wife said... Uh, if I couldn't hear your voice, I don't think I'd be able to see you. <laughs> I, I lost that much weight. But anyway, um, it, it did inspire me a lot, and that stayed in my mind. And um, then, you know, over time, I did go to... Um, well, once I started this place, I did go to other health retreats to check out what they're doing, uh, Golden Door, yep. um, and a number of them. But I, I suppose I had a very personal experienced why I started this what I was trying to achieve in my own life and that was more to do with the concept than anything I'd seen anywhere else yeah I did go to America in 1990 before I even bought this property because I knew there was a number of health retreats over there so I traveled for a month and stayed at a number of health retreats uh, the Weimar Institute in California stayed there for a little while then I went to um, oh, a number of them over one in, jo in um, Georgia um, I can't remember now, it's 28 years ago, but uh, I stated a number of them and got a lot of information, a lot of concepts, yeah. and that just really motivated me on with the, the plan I already had in my own head. Mm. 
Yeah, and you're constantly yeah. evolving. So when we were having the tour earlier and looking at <clears throat> the fabulous site that you're on, yeah. you're talking, oh, this building, we're going to change that, we're going to build a new building over there, we're going to move that over here. And yeah. So it, it's <clears throat> it's not a, this is it and this is the way it's going to stay. You're constantly modernising. We're constantly evolving, yeah. It, yeah. it will continue to do that. Uh, my daughter, Giselle, has got some tremendous ideas and um, she's a real go-getter and um, it's just... Um, Trying to trying to hold her back until we got the money, you know. Like she's she's got some fantastic ideas for improving the facilities here and yeah. uh, just making the place more modern and up to date. Yeah. Um, we will never take more than about twenty five people at one time. It, it by keeping the numbers low, it becomes very exclusive. Yeah. The people get a very high level of attention and care. Yeah. And it, it's very personalised. Uh, the whole program for each individual. So we don't want to get big. Uh, but we do want to improve the whole facility so that the people that are coming are getting, you know, every time they come back, the experience is better than it was before. And, and they, they've been saying that. I mean, there's people here that have, at this week that have been five, six times. Wow. Uh, one guy, his first time was in 1997. He's here now. But he said, um, every time I come back, there's massive improvements. That's, that's what it's like. Yeah. yeah, that's that's probably rewarding for you because you know, like hang when you're stuck in the centre of something, you sometimes can't see that. Yeah. But for people to come from externally and they're constantly going, oh, well, that's it's true. So much better. Very so true. much better. Yeah. 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 It sounds <clears throat> to me like right at the outset, if we're going back to the position of, well, okay, I'd like to build a retreat. This is my vision. This is what right, I'd like okay. to do. It sounds to me from listening to you that the number one thing is to surround yourself with good people to enable it to happen. Yeah, well, the, the very first thing would be passion. You've got to have okay. passion. Number one, passion. Yeah, yeah. Number, number two is surround yourself with successful people, with people that have got passion. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not necessarily that successful, but they've got the potential to be successful because of their passion. Yeah. Right? So you've got to find people who are very positive, very passionate, and have got a desire to learn. Yeah. See, a lot of the um, people that work here didn't start in the positions they have no. now. For example, you met our fitness trainer, Mark. Mm. He was our cleaner here. Oh, wow. And okay. I, I came to him one day and I said, Mark, you do a great job with the cleaning, but would you be interested in becoming a remedial therapist? And he said, well, yeah, how do I do that? I said, I'll, I'll send you off for proper training, which I did. Yep. And he was a wonderful uh, remedial therapist for about five years. Yeah. And I said to him one day, Mark... How would you like to become a fitness trainer? He said, "Whoa, that sounds great." So I said, "Well, I, I can send you off for, for training." So we sent him off, had him fully qualified over, over a period of time, and then he became our, our fitness trainer. So, but I've done that with a lot of people here. So I'm constantly looking at every staff member at their potential, yeah. not what they are now. So many of the people that are working on the team now didn't did not start in the positions that they have now. Yeah. Even Toby. Mm. Um, he wasn't not a naturopath. Uh, yeah, so um, I, I think with any business, that's really a key to success is you've got to actually look at each member of your staff and don't look at what they're doing, but look at what they could do. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a very wise piece of advice for anybody running a retreat or not running mm. your own business. How can I keep developing my staff to keep mm. them engaged? To you know, they, if they've got the core substance there, the passion and the the vision as well, how can I keep them? Yeah. And how can I keep them engaged to service what we need to service? Yeah. Well, um, you met um, 
Sarah in the office, the mm-hmm. young girl, um, she was also started here as a cleaner. And I used to watch her, and, and she was always fast and quick, and I'd go up to talk to her, and she never had time to talk to me because she had to do the job. And I thought, she's too good to be leaving in one job. I need to, like I said to her, would you be interested in um, learning administration uh, and becoming the secretary for Giselle? Yeah. She said, sure. So she did that for a while, and then I could see that she was so accurate and so detailed that we then trained her, uh, and, and she's our main receptionist now that takes the bookings, and yeah. uh, she knows so much about health. She's learned all that, that she can talk to people on the telephone, and she knows exactly how to tell them everything that's going to happen when they're here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's brilliant. Yeah. So do you have a staff training process? Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Um, is there an induction process? Or? Oh, there is an induction process mm-hmm. for new people, absolutely. But yeah. um, staff training, some of it's done on site. We have regular meetings with different... Each department has their own meetings and mm-hmm. they have their own training. Okay. Uh, but with um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of positions here, we do send them off yeah. for external training as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that is that part of the, the way that... It's a, it's a procedure that you run to, to make sure everything is streamlined and yeah. running the way that it should do. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're constantly looking at people's skills. And the interesting thing is that m- most of the staff will come to me before I go to them and say, look, I would like to learn how to do oh, this, okay. how to do that. Uh, and that's great because they've actually shown the initiative mm-hmm. and so we organise it all. Okay. And that's probably happened more than us actually approaching them. Um it happens both ways. Mm. Yeah. I think for people listening in, I think they'll think, wow, it's a really attractive proposition working here, mm. coming, and, coming and being part of the team. You might have a few people knocking on your door saying, can I have a job? We, 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 <laughs> it happens every day. Oh, does it? Yeah, we've got a lot of people trying to, trying to get jobs here. So the, going back to where I was before with the number one is the passion, number two is the good people. Yeah. And people with passion is your third. You think the foundations? Um... Obviously, money's going to come into it, but that's, yeah. that's probably beyond the scope of, of this conversation. Um, I think location's very important. Finding the right location, um, it really needs to be a rural zoning yeah. Yeah, out in the country, so we're really getting people to retreat from, from built-up areas. Yeah. Um, the reason we chose southeast Queensland is because the, the climate here is really the best in Australia. If you get up north, it's too hot. Down south, it can get too cold in the winter. So um, this is an ideal location. Mm -hmm. So location is very, very important. Um, Then, I mean, setting up the buildings and so on. When we bought the property, it had an approval to build a lot more buildings, so we didn't have the money to Mm -hmm. build them all. Um, The council wasn't happy at the time with the approval that we had from previous owners. Okay. Right. So they were trying to stop us. So we decided to get um, plans drawn up for many buildings and we got them all approved and we had four years to build them. Right. So I put foundations down. Uh, I put down about eight foundations and then I just had to wait until we had a little bit of money. So over the four years, yeah. we just gradually you know, built a little bit more on each one of those mm-hmm. foundations uh, and, and that's how we started. Um, but um, to get a rural property that's got that sort of approval is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I mean, today you could possibly go into a council and get them to rezone mm-hmm. uh, so that you can do that sort of thing. 
I mean, health retreats weren't known back then, so <clears throat> the councils weren't really familiar with what we were planning to do. But now, uh, health retreats are, are very popular in Australia, and I think councils would be a lot more open to uh, helping someone with a plan. Um, that's actually a really nice thing to hear that people are actually a little bit more open. The councils yeah. are more open with that. That because it can be very complicated. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got this big vision, and then you've found a spot, and the council won't allow you to do what you need to do on it. It's, it's, you know, there's no way you can't oh, move. Absolutely. You can't move on absolutely, that yeah. at all. So the I council loves us now. Um, they've do they? been, yeah, because uh, I mean, we've been given the opportunity to build a lot more buildings mm-hmm. um, and to develop this a lot more. Because they've seen what we do, yes. we, we're actually helping the community dramatically. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything you do differently, retrospectively, as oh. a whole <clears throat> picture? That's a big question. Probably not. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with, with the way it's all gone. It's progressive. Um, Looking forward to the future? Yeah, yeah. Like, I suppose um, my, my daughter will slowly push me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and um, but I'll always keep my hand in here. Mm. I like doing the lectures. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't see people as a naturopath anymore. Uh, I've got other people doing that because that's a commitment. And if I take that commitment on with new people, then you've got them for years. And it's probably better that um, I let the other guys, the younger people, do it. Leave it to the young folks. Yeah. Oh. That sort of brings me around to uh, coming back to the title of this podcast standing on the shoulders of giants and from everything that i've listened to today and everything i've seen today you are absolutely a giant so for anybody that is planning considering starting a retreat wanting to run a retreat have you got any words of advice for them um well i suppose it comes back to, to, to passion if you've got the passion you can do anything and um Get that passion. And the passion needs to not be for making money or building a business. It, 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 the passion needs to be a humanitarian passion, a passion for people. And, and that's, that's what drove me at the beginning was that um, I could see that it's not difficult to get people well. The, the human body is made by design to win. And if you can establish the right conditions, you can just about overcome anything. And when I worked that out, because I was very, very unwell, and once I got my mercury amalgam dental fillings taken out and changed my diet and dropped off all the junk food, um, my health completely restored in a short period of time. <clears throat> then I replicated that with other people. And I found um, if you get the right action in place, miracles happen. And we see it here every day. Within two weeks, we see lives completely restored from very serious health problems. Now I know it requires them to go home and live the life, but they do because they're so excited about how they feel after two weeks. So yeah, you've you've got to have a passion for people. If you haven't got a passion for people, I don't think this project would ever work. If if you've got a passion for a business or a passion for money, I don't think this sort of thing would work. It's got to be people. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today, Gary. It's been an honour. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast. Find us on iTunes and leave a review. Join our practitioner-only Metagenics Facebook group to be informed of new podcast releases, keep up to date with key industry updates and more. Visit metagenics.com.au 
to find useful links and resources relating to this podcast and sign up to our e-newsletter.